You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Go Wild. Now, what is Go Wild? Go Wild is the fastest growing and most active app for hunters, anglers, and outdoorsmen. So what do you do? You log time, you earn points, and you get bragging rights. Now, Go Wild isn't about really your follower count like uh, a lot of people try to do in some of the other social media apps. However, it allows you to earn points. And over time, the app will be adding functionality to reward users for their time outside. So go sign up and start logging your points today. Uh, They're giving giveaways away weekly. You can win anything from $500 coolers to $150 in fishing tackle to optics to hammocks to broadheads to fly rods and tons of other great stuff that they're uh, giving away. All you have to do is sign up and start using the app. Um, And unlike a majority of the other social media apps, you know, aka Instagram, aka Facebook, Go Wild supports hunting. They even donate some of their reno, uh, their revenue back into conservation groups. So they're not going to tell you, hey, you can't post pictures of your guns. They're not going to tell you, hey, uh, you got to walk lightly around trophy picks. This platform supports the lifestyle that we choose for hunters and anglers. So sign up for Go Wild today. And all you have to do for more information is visit time to go wild. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, Here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Mother Monday, everybody. (laughs) Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. You got some time to get outside and enjoy Mother Nature with yourself or with your family or with a bum down the street. I I could care less. As long as you got outside and uh, enjoyed Mother Nature, that's all that really matters, man. Now, today... I've been trying to get this guy on the podcast for, man, I don't even know how uh, how many years. I want to say two, maybe even three. And uh, when I started the Nine Finger Chronicles, I was like, I need to pick this guy's brain because he is a successful big buck killer. And he's only been hunting for 10 years. And in the grand scheme of things, that's not a long time. 
he's only 20, I think 27 years old. And there's been years where like in one year he killed a 180 class, 170 class and a 160 class. Right. And I'm talking about Cody DeQuisto. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because his dad is Andre DeQuisto and he is what some may consider the goat of bow hunting, right? One of the greatest bow hunters of all times. He uh, is the inventor of the lone wolf tree stand. He is like, he's kind of that run and gun, you know, mobile hunter. He's, he's very aggressive in its tactics. And today we talk a little bit with Cody about how he was raised as a bow hunter, how he's kind of implemented some of his own strategies. And basically what this is, is a hunter profile podcast about Cody, how he grew up and how he kind of was introduced to bow hunting all the way until, you know, what he is doing now. Now there's, this is a two part series, right? So, uh, today which is monday we have the hunter profile type of podcast and on wednesday of this week we're going to talk way more about strategy so this podcast and the next podcast is definitely a must listen podcast uh it's going to open your eyes to a lot of things and uh not only this one but the next one as well and it's kind of goes against the grain of what I would say the quote unquote hunting industry has, you know, been feeding us over the years. We're talking about, uh, guys who are successful bow hunters and really successful bow hunters doing it the hard way and, (laughs) and doing it in a way that a lot of people aren't used to. So great informative podcast not only not only for entertainment but you can learn you're going to learn something on these podcasts as well now commercial time ripcord arrow rest now when i was in when i was in uh, uh, colorado on this elk hunt right i told you last week on the on the podcast that i beat the shit out of my prime bow right i was using it as a walking stick now what is attached to my prime bow it is my ripcord arrow rests I mean, I had that thing in dirt. I had it wet. I had like it bumped up against rocks and, you know, obviously I didn't get a shot on an elk, but every, every day I came back to camp, I would shoot my bow to make sure it was still on. And that, (laughs) that rest alone took a beating and continued to work flawlessly every single time. So I need you to go to Google. I need you to Google Ripcord Arrow Rests, and that's the uh, website, ripcordarrowrest.com. Look at their products and put one on your bow because this is one of those products where I feel very confident where as long as they're making them, I will be using them. So uh, just a a really kick-ass product made in America. It's a a veteran-owned company. I mean, I could say I could keep talking about all the good things that this company has to do but the product alone is is an awesome product so there's that go check out ripcord air rest all right here we go let's get into this hunter profile podcast with cody dequisto well 
I am sitting in a state park in Iowa, and uh, I had everything set up perfect. And all of a sudden, these two, this car full of old ladies comes in, and they're say, they say, hey, uh, are you using the shelter house? And I didn't have it reserved. So they're like, uh, I'm like, no. Um, and then, but I am going to be recording, and I use the terminology radio show. So they would uh, understand because, you know, I say podcast and they're like, huh, what's a podcast? <laughs> and uh, so they, okay, well, that's good. We'll use the other half of the um of the shelter house. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, are you kidding me, man? So we had to tear down and we had to move to another shelter house that had the reserve sign still on it from a previous day. So now I'm hoping that no one messes with us. Cross the fingers. That's right. Right. Now I'm here with Mr. Cody. Is it DeQuisto? Yep. DeQuisto. DeQuisto. Yeah. All right. And for those of you uh, who think that last name sounds familiar is because uh, a lot of people may know, uh, or have heard in the past of his dad, uh, Andre, who just is real known in the hunting community as a, a big buck killer. And some of those genes have kind of been passed down to his son, Cody, here. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, and we're going to try to knock out maybe two uh, podcasts today. The first one is going to be kind of a hunter profile, talking about, you know, him growing up how he was introduced to hunting, so forth and so on. And then maybe the second one, we'll get into some strategy. But, man, I've talked a lot already. How are you doing? I'm doing good, good. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to finally sit down with you. I know we've oh, been yeah. kind of had some stuff in the works for a long time, but... Um yeah, we've uh, man. I think I think I reached out to you what almost two years ago. I think we've been trying to set something like this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, two, maybe even three. I don't yeah. know. I, it, it was a while back, but um, the stars have lined up, and here we and, are. Uh, yeah, like you said, <laughs> here we are. Let's we can uh, talk some whitetails. Absolutely, because I mean, one thing that guys like us have in common is it is above everything. It's a huge passion for us and it's something that a lot of people who are not hunters are friends because I have a lot of friends who aren't hunters and they don't understand how a guy can go and sit in the timber in freezing temperatures for hours and days just in hopes of an encounter with an animal it's crazy yeah it's a hard thing to comprehend um I I hear it all the time what are you doing, man? Like, how, how do you do that? Why are you doing that? Well, yeah, it's like you said, it's a, it's a passion for sure. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start at the very, very beginning. And what I want, you know, with, with your dad being who he is, I want to know how you were introduced into, I guess, hunting in general. I mean, did it start with bow hunting or did it like, maybe the foundation was trapping or fishing or anything like that? Or was it just getting kicked into the deep end of the pool with bow hunting? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, pretty much bow hunting through and through. I, um, ever since I started whitetail hunting, it's been with a bow and, mm -hmm. and it, uh, you know, I don't think I really had a different option. You know, it was kind of uh, the old man bow hunted and, and we weren't. We weren't typically a gun hunting family, so yeah, it started off with the bow. Uh, I mean, prior to that, I plinked around with with a BB gun here and yeah. there, and and did a did a few small game type hunts and and things like that, but um, never uh, never gun hunted a day in my life, and and just yeah. you know fell in love with the sport of uh, bow hunting and and uh, archery. Yeah. So, at what age 
did you start to, or you know, as, was it as far back as you can remember when you were like knee high, th- two, three, four, or did it was it something that you typically didn't get introduced to until you had the ability to do it? Um, yeah, so I would probably say, I mean, from as early as I can remember, um, I would get dragged in the pickup truck and we'd go glassing for hours every night you know, around town after dinner and, and, uh, you know, I never really knew what we were doing, but, you know, we were, we were looking for deer and, and, uh, you know, dad was covering ground and doing his due diligence so he could, uh, get on some big, big whitetails. And, um, I think that was the, that was the first thing I can remember is really, you know, being involved in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, going to the woods with him and just, you know, following around like a, you know, a freaking little puppy dog, you know, when I was little, (laughs) just as he scouted around the timber. So, um, there was definitely a lot of memories of that. Um, I didn't really start hunting um, until, you know, I, I think in Wisconsin, the legal age of hunting was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. So I remember going through the hunter's education course and, and um, you know, practicing with the bow. Uh, and I shot fingers back, back then. And it was, you know, kind of fun to practice with yeah. the bow. And uh, I hunted for about a year um, or not a year, a couple times I yeah. went out when I was 12. And that was the first time I was subjected to bow hunting and didn't really know what it was. Uh, and I ended up actually airing a deer, never found it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may have maybe deterred me a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was a young kid being dragged yeah. out into the woods. And, um, you know, so that was my first experience. Um, so, you know, taking a step back, when you were in those pickup truck rides or you know your dad taking you into the timber was he explaining to you like the details of hey i'm i'm here because of this reason or i'm i'm glassing because it helps me in the fall or any i mean was did he explain to you what was going on or was it just kind of you learning through observation yeah never once never once do i ever remember getting any sort of explanation it was sort of He's, he's not that type of guy, I feel. Like, it was never like, here, son, you know, here's a here's a deer track. This is what yeah. it looks like. It was, it was you know, keep the fuck up, you know, yeah. and it was just watching him sort of. You know, I knew we were out looking for deer in the field, but yeah. I never really put it together of mm-hmm. why he was doing that. You know, I was a little young at that time, and, um, you know, I was aware that, um, you know, e- even being involved with the tree stands and, you know, back in them days, I – I remember playing on pallets of tree stands that were in the yard because the business was in the backyard. So uh, hunting, you know, encompassed his life. Yeah. And it did so mine. You know, I remember at that age, too, you know, we'd always, me and my sisters would be waiting and to see what he came up with and, and what he came home with as far as, uh, you know, deer-wise. But um, the way I learned was definitely uh, visual and just, I mean, just tagging along for so long and, and um you know, listening to him talk to other people or, yeah. or tell stories and, you know, just gathering all that, that information um, to when I started hunting on my own, I just, you know, was able to put the pieces together. And Yeah. So what were some of the biggest things that you learned as a kid from that, from that visual, you know, from that visual education? I think just, uh, you know, getting out there and finding out what's going on. That's yeah. probably the, the single most important thing that I think I've picked up from him and just learned along the way is that, um, and I don't know if it's a genetic thing. He's, he's not a real patient person mm-hmm. and neither myself. So, uh, I don't think I've ever, you know, spent more than three hours in a tree stand at one time. Yeah. He's the same way, you know, it, it, and I don't know if it's a, 
a little bit of ADHD or whatever the hell it is. But uh, I think the biggest thing, hands down, would be just, um, uh, you know, you got to put yourself in the right area. Yeah. Uh, you can't just, you can't, you know, wait on a prayer and, and, and hope, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. So then, you know, as as you started, you know, as you were getting older and now you started hunting yourself, did, uh, I mean, did your dad ever say, okay, you're going to sit in this tree stand. I'm going to go in here uh, and then I'll get you at dark. Or was it kind of, uh, again, kick you out of the truck and say, good luck. Well, it, yeah. And it definitely was like when I started hunting and, and going back to that, like, you know, from that gap, there was a, a big gap from that first time bow hunting to, right. um, you know, when I started actually i would call it hunting so yeah. and i think that came around when i was like 16 um and one thing that i am thankful for is i think the reason i'm so passionate about deer hunting to this day is that he didn't push it on me mm-hmm. you know so he never forced me to go i mean we know when i was young it was a different story i just was always with him but you know when i was 14 15 uh and didn't want to go hunting he never made me go hunting, never drug yeah. me out into the woods, you know, so, and there was a lapse in time there. Um, so I think that maybe, you know, drove the passion a little bit too, not having it, having it shoved but down my throat. But, yeah. um, when I first started hunting then and it got me into it, I, obviously I think he wanted me to be successful to, he knew that would get me yeah. hooked. So I remember my first year, I think I was 15 years old, um, was the first and only year that I, or not only, but. The first year that I really hunted, and we hunted together, yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a you know a memory I have. You know, we we bounced around and um, kind of you know got the job done that year. Um, and when I arrowed that first deer, it was it it was a big um, a big turning point in the hunting. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, I like this shit. Yeah. You know, I mean that was that was a big um, drive. Um, and then the following year is when I started then branching out on my own. You know, I was okay. like, okay, you know, I, I, I get what's going on. And, you know, I want to get this done myself, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was a little bit of a slow transition. but So you were only in the, the nest, so to speak, for just a little while until, oh, yeah. until yeah. you were like, okay. Now, were you, you know, some people branch off out on their own because their parents make them branch off on their own. And then some people branch out on their own because they want to branch out on their own. Right. So where, where would you fall? Oh, I wanted to get as far away from it as I could. You know, I mean, I being, you know, it's, 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 uh, um, I guess being in that position where I never wanted anybody to think my hand was getting held. So immediately I wanted to get as much distance from him as possible you know, I didn't want to answer, ask him any questions. I didn't want to hunt with him. I didn't want to do anything. You know, I wanted to go out on my own and learn my own, you know, so. Um, and what age was that? That was 16. 16, yep. okay. So, I mean, that was like the second year I was gun ho I'm like, you know what, I, you know, I've been, been hanging stands. I've been hunting. You know, I started, you know, it was like the, so I, I went off on my own that year. And um, that year, I think I had the old man maybe film me. Uh, which is another interesting thing, you know, at that point in time, it was really cool because I was getting into, um, really serious hunting at the exact same time Lone Wolf or Whitetail Addictions was starting, you know, so dad started that TV show and from the day I started hunting, there was a camera on me. So I started self-filming myself the following year. I'm like, well, I can film myself, you know, I want to, 
and I've, I've, I screwed up on so many deer, you know, trying to self film, but <laughs> it was so cool that I started from day one self filming. So that was like just a thing I learned in the yeah. process. So now it's just like second nature and, yeah. and, um, you know, I get all my kills you know, or most of them on film at least. Uh, but it was, um, I, sorry, I got off on a tangent here. Uh, but it was really cool because it was being filmed and then more so I wanted to get out on my own. Like, you know, yeah. I can, I, I can do this, you know? So, yeah. Did you, I mean, my very first buck, or, or buck, it, that wasn't really on film, but the very first deer I ever shot with a bow, period, was on film, and I self-filmed myself do it. And then I went through a handful of years filming myself, and I, I started not to like it. I started not to like having to bring all that extra gear with me. I started not liking having to not necessarily feel like I was obligated to share what I was doing out in the woods with people. And did you feel that because your dad was making a TV show that you were obligated to film some of your hunts, even though you were out doing it by yourself? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I never looked at it that way. I, I kind I wanted to film them, yeah. you know, because I think I've always been, you know, uh, sort of chasing that, that, uh, you know, success and, and, you know, just another thing like, well, Hey, he's filming himself killed here. I can, I can film myself, you know? So I, yeah. I, I sort of wanted to, you know, to prove myself I could do it. I knew it was harder. Um, but no, I don't think I ever felt obligated. I do think it's a pain in the ass and I yeah. don't, I really don't like doing it. And there's sometimes I'm just like, I ain't taking that camera out there. Like, you know, <laughs> and, and that's more so now as I'm getting more serious and going after these bigger deer and, you know, filming it is becoming less of a priority to me now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd rather, you know, g- go get the job done than mess around and freaking try and film something, you know? So, yeah. um, I definitely think it's a headache at times too. It's, it's a, it's a pain, but I will say, man, having that, having those films, you know, every time I go back and watch them, it's like, Oh man, that was cool. You know, yeah, I got, absolutely. I at least got it. Yeah. And I remember that, that first kill, uh, dad was actually filming me and we got some awesome footage. This thing came in at, 10 yards did a crazy mule kick you could just see the freaking blood just go crazy and then he he ran off and and um you know we were both jacked up so it was really cool to watch um yeah so it's definitely cool having those memories um on the filming so kind of backing up a bit um how old were you when like lone wolf started oh i lone wolf started before i was born oh, Te- before you okay technically all right yeah. so that methodology of the run and gun mobile style hunting that's all you knew basically oh yeah 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 the well i know that uh, you know lono started uh you know in the in the 1980s uh and it you know started with climbers yeah then went into hang-ons then went into climbing sticks and all that stuff and and you know the patent like the cast aluminum when he took it to that that next level and that patent you know i was I was a little, you know, I was around at that point in time. I was probably maybe, I don't know, eight or something like that. But yeah, um, so it definitely goes back to, um, yeah, that's all I've ever really been subjected to, you know. So you know, because as a as a kid, I I I didn't have any uh, hunting mentors really. I mean, I taught myself how to hunt, and I mean, I had some some guides uh, along the way, but I was always hey man i need to be over here and i can't do that with a ladder stand type type of hunting so with with that being the only like kind of hunting style that you knew when maybe 
other kids were talking to you about, yeah, I sat on this food plot or I sat in a, this, this climbing stand. What was that like to you hearing your experiences probably being so different from everybody else's experiences as a, a youth hunter? Um, yeah, I, I, I had friends that hunted, um, and it was always sort of, you know, I, everybody I knew that hunted, it was the, you know, they either were gun hunters and it was that, you know, a couple weeks a year and it was yeah. the whole commodity thing and they'd drink and, you know, the family would get together and they'd spend more time in the cabin than they did in the woods and yeah. they'd, they'd do drives and, and that was literally something that I've never been a part of. Like I, right. I, you know, I've never shotgun hunted ever, you know, I've never went, never even hunted gun season. So I didn't, I didn't have that to correlate with and, you know, but I. I also seen like, you know, these, it was more of a, um, a good time for everybody. And I right. looked at more as, I looked at it more as a, uh, you know, a task that I needed to get done and, and, um, I, I enjoy it, but with how competitive I am, it was always, you know, it's like work, man. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, you know, the way that, you know, we hunt, it can get taxing. So I guess I just never, I never really understood, but I didn't care either because yeah. I was being successful and. You know, and at the same time, I might try to preach to some people, and and a lot of people just don't get it, or yeah. or they're not willing to, you know, or maybe their expectations in. were a little bit different than yours. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. And right. that's that's the thing. You know, a lot of those guys too. I mean, uh, they were, you know, I, it, it's all about your experiences and how you come up yeah. and how you start and and where you go from there. So, I mean, like you said, I I just had a completely different different upbringing, and yeah. you know, and that's one thing that I want to. Because on these notes that you sent me, it, sa- it says here, blessing and a curse, <laughs> starting out with such a high bar. Yeah, and, and that was something I put on myself. But, um, I, like, prime example, that first deer, I remember killing that first deer. Now this, is, now, this is the first buck I've ever killed with a bow, you know, inside of 15 yards. And I was I was pumped when I did it. Mm-hmm. But that first deer, I remember getting to it, and I'm like, oh, man, what does that thing score? You know, And that's the first thing I thought of, yeah. which was like, a pretty sad thing, you know. Yeah. So, and that, and I remember that thing scored like 124 inches, and I was like, "Motherfucker!" Like, you know, I wanted a Pope and Young, like, you right. know. And that's all I, which you know, some people might think is is disgusting, but that's, you know, c- coming up the way I did, and I mean, there wasn't a single space on our wall that didn't have a deer on it, yeah. and these deer weren't small. I mean. Like the deer, like I just shot, ended up in the garage, and they had dust on them. Nobody, nobody could see those deer, you know. So in my head, I'm thinking, man, you know, I gotta shoot bigger stuff, you know. I'm never yeah. gonna, uh, you know. Uh, so I, it was something I put on myself, I think for sure. But um, I didn't want to shoot something that, yeah, in my mind was, you know, I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, not worthy. <laughs> right. So. Did you end up enjoying that first kill, or was it like? I just shot what by my dad and my family consider a, a small deer. I mean, yeah. were, did you enjoy it even? Um, you know, I, I did, but then I didn't. Immediately that thought was, I should have just waited. You know, right. I, I could have got a bigger one. There's bigger deer right. out here, you know, um, which, so yeah, it, it was definitely kind of, uh, and then, you know, that next following year, it was, it was, um, you know, I was just so pissed and but and determined to you know mm-hmm. shoot a good deer or in my mind what a good deer was um and my second deer ended up being like right around 160 so yeah um so and that's crazy that's absolutely crazy because there are people out there who even in states like iowa 
and Illinois and maybe even Kansas who, you know, will never ever put in the work or have the drive to chase specific deer, right? So was score something that was important to you? Like from a from very early on. Oh yeah, that I think that was just ingrained into my head. You know, it's like one of those things. Like, you know, Dad was, um, Dad is a big score man. You know, he was yeah. always about, and it was always about those, uh, um, you know, the the net uh, typical deer. You know, yeah. it was wasn't so much about non typical deer, but that net Boone and Crockett was his. Yeah, was his you know trophy. Um, you know, when, and the term Boone and Crockett, I think, is thrown around a lot yeah. these days. But net, you know, I mean, in order to net that 170, you got to have it all, man. And that's, that's an impressive deer. So I think just, you know, hearing his, you know, how much that meant to him over the years and, um, you know, me wanting larger deer, I think, you know, score was definitely a big, a big factor in it. Yeah. So, I mean, did that did that mess you up at all? Because with, with going from, you know, a 120 as a 16 year old, I, I look at that and go, dude, anybody should be happy with that. I mean, that's a great deer. I mean, there are people in certain States that will probably never kill a 130 class deer, no matter how hard they, how hard they uh, try. Yeah. So why do you think it was that score was such like such such an important thing i mean honestly deep diving deep down into it you know i you know i'm I'm super competitive but i was probably just shooting for you know uh a good job or maybe uh yeah uh, what that may be or, yeah. or you know the old man's approval if you will yeah you know um so i think you know in my mind man i got you know i got to get a bigger deer um or i got to get deer that fit in you know so yeah. i always wanted something you know that that would fit in on the wall, which was, and you know, thinking back to it, it's like, man, that was a un like reasonable expectation at yeah. that point in time, and I was so green in the hunting myself, like, you know, you sh- I should have just been, you know, shooting a lot smaller deer, you know, getting my feet wet more, getting more experience, um, but you know, I dove right into it, and in that second year, um, I ended up shooting that deer, and that year is what completely put me off the deep end because um i picked out a certain deer and that deer that deer got the better of me mm-hmm. and then i just uh it, it was kind of a crazy story i uh i had dad filming me at one point in time and that deer got the better of me and actually caught me uh when i came to full draw on him and he bugged out mm-hmm. and you know I, dad's sitting there like well you know there's better deer on the other property go you know go hunt over here we'll go hunt over here and i'm like yep. no man i gotta get that deer like yep. that deer that deer got me and um you know, a couple hunts later, I ended up sealing a deal with that one, and just that that experience of, uh, um, you know, being able to outsmart that specific deer too and get it done was was a big a big change in factor too. Not only from score, because I was happy with that deer at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that one I really enjoyed. I think. Yeah. So I mean, even in, regardless of what state you hunt in, finding. Uh, a class, a 160 class animal can be difficult. I mean, even, even bigger or whatever, even 150, however, however you want to look at it. So as this, now you're 17, you just shot your 160 inch deer. You have, it's like you, it sounds like you can't go backwards from that. Yeah. And that was, and that was a big, that was a big, uh, and 
And to be honest with you, I mean, I've, I've sh- from now and then, or from now to then, I've shot in a few deer that were backwards, but everything I started shooting was right at that 160 mark. So yeah. it was, you know, it was like, okay, you know, that's, that's what it is, man. I need, I'm, I'm happy with the 160. Like yeah. I'd be ecstatic with a wall full of 160s. Like that's yeah. what I thought at that point in time. And, and I'm like, you know, I don't need the, I don't need to go crazy yet. You know, I'm, I'm not that stupid. I don't need to be looking for Boone and Crackets or, or, you know, so that was like my goal. I'm like, okay, if it hits 160, you know, if it grows 160, I'll, I'll go after it. And then, um, you know, I just, you know, kept working at that. That was yeah. like the next, the next game plan. So with that said, are you looking for, I mean, how old are you right now? I am 27. 27. Yes. So this, all this shit has gone down in the last 10 years. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so 160 at 17 and your expectations are 160 from, for a period of time for, you know, I don't know how many more years until you kind of, until you were like, I am now, I have to now take it to even the next level. I think, uh, you know, and, and shooting some deer that were, uh, you know, throughout the last, you know, I mean, if looking at it, I've really, you know, probably been, you know, hunting hard for 11 years, which doesn't seem like a long time at all. But, you know, what I've learned in that time and the deer I've uh, been able to be successful in getting, uh, and like I said, there, you know, there was definitely deer that were under that 160 mark and, and, um, you know, I was definitely pissed about it when I shot him. But I think that's, that's a realistic thing that happens to everybody. Yeah. Everybody gets the gun, you know, jumps a gun and shoots a deer smaller than they want. Um, it, and I've never tried to hide that. I mean, yeah. I've, you know, if I didn't, there's been, there's been deer that I shot that I don't even take pictures with, you know? So, um, but with that being said, I don't think I really, really like raised the bar up that to that next level until, um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I, maybe three years ago, I really started to, okay, man, one sixties ain't cutting it. Like I, yeah. I want something big, like, cause in my mind, I still didn't have anything that fit in on, on dad's wall, you know, yeah. I mean, it w- to where I did, but I'm like, you know, here I'm looking at, you know, 200 inch, hundred, 200 inch typicals, you know, 190, yeah. you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, you, God damn it. You know, I gotta, I gotta step it up. So in my mind, and, um, and that's when I really started, I think, taking my whole game to a, to a new level and getting more aggressive and. And trying to, you know, get those deer, and and not only, you know, through this time, was I satisfied? Like you'd think, like you know, hunting down and killing a 160, 170 inch deer would be satisfying. Well, it would almost drive me more to go kill the next one, and I I wouldn't even take any time to appreciate that deer. Like, it'd be, okay, one hit the ground. Okay, I got to get here now. Like, yeah. I got to get here to kill one here, and then if I killed one there, then it's okay. Then where, where else can I go? You know, I'm running out of property. Well. Uh, I'll go hunt this piece of public ground just just so I can get in the woods so I can just start wreck the process. It, you know? all I mean, over I again. just you know I just yeah. want to um, you know do as as good as I can. So it sounds like w- there was several motivating factors to what drove you, and being competitive was one of them. Why? <laughs> why I mean, why? Why was it that you wanted to have a big deer? in the main house on you know yeah. not in the garage i yeah. want to have a yeah. deer that yeah. sits right next to uh, one of dad's deer dude, i think i think that's natural man i yeah. think and i don't know I, i'm just i think if you don't want to win then why are you doing it you know yeah. i mean like it's you know, it's like you go you know it's like playing a football game like yeah. if you have no intention of winning that game would it like why even do it or yeah. or you know i I don't know. Maybe that sounds 
sounds bad, but I just it, it's a. Uh, um, I don't know. Everybody wants to kill a big buck, man. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, everybody does. And that's and that that's what it's about, you know. I mean, if I if I wanted to go have a good time in the woods, I would just go have a good time in the woods, and I'd sit yeah. there any time of year, you know. And I love being out in nature and out in the woods, and I love the the process. But man, I'm out there to get it done, man. Yeah. And I'm and you know, it's just something I want. I want it bad, you know. So with you know with all that said, you know, you being not only self-motivated because you wanted to do better than every single year before, a little bit of, com- you know, I guess hidden com- uh, competition with your dad, you know, as you were learning, what were some of the biggest failures or maybe mistakes that you made in the woods at, by yourself in the past, I don't know, five, 10 years that made you better at what you're currently already doing um yeah i I think it's honestly it's failures that that do it like i there's been so many um so many fails you know go into those those uh uh you know victories yeah and um i think probably the biggest when i really took it a step further and you know wind wind direction has always been something that that dad has 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 been you know mm-hmm. really adamant about so um therefore i've always been adamant about wind direction and with that being said i think one of the biggest things that that upped my game and i started killing bigger deer and more deer like in even a season is learning and teaching myself how to um properly manipulate these areas that i would find through the hard work scouting yeah. to kill a deer so many times I'd find, you know, scouting's never been a problem for, with me. I'll find the area, mm-hmm. but for so long I would find the area and fuck the area up. Yeah. Because it's, dude, there's a lot of things to put together, I think, when you, you know, and I have, I have friends like this, and I, I have people that talk to me all the time at, at trade shows when I'm selling stands and stuff, and they're like, yeah, you know, well, I found that Buck's bedding area, but <clears throat> I just bumped him out. Well, you know, yeah, you didn't, you didn't manipulate that area properly, mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of times you can drop the ball in that sense. And also, I think just getting that killer instinct, like there's something about, you know, you can be, you can be the best shot out in the yard, you know, on, at the target and at the block or right. at, 3D shooting. But, you know, when you get in the situation and you got that deer 10 yards and that rack has is, is got you tripped up and, and making that shot and really capitalizing. So just, I think just the time and, you know, the, the repetition of, uh, getting comfortable with those animals yeah. uh, is a big thing too. Right, right, and that's one thing that um, one this one old timer said. He goes, "The best way to get comfortable in you know killing deer is to kill deer." Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, throughout throughout these years, did you ever at all just go out and like slam some does, or um, I mean, do you? I mean, do you? I know I know people who go out and they'll they'll they're hardcore big buck hunters, but they give their, the meat away to the deer or of the deer. Uh, do you take meat into consideration at all, or is I've, it? I've never. I, I, I lied. I've killed one doe in the entire time I've ever hunted. Okay. So I killed one doe, and I regretted that so bad. Like I, I remember going out there, and I actually took my wife out there. Like we wanted to just go get some meat for the yeah. freezer, and we went out with the bow, and um, I ended up. I ended up nailing this doe at like seven yards and she dropped like maybe 15 yards away and was right in the field dead. Mm-hmm. 
and it's <laughs> and if I sound like a like a chick or something here at this moment, I whatever. But this fawn ran out, and she had a fawn with her, and that fawn would not leave that doe side, dude. And that just like scarred me. Like I was like, I just killed that freaking fawn, and I was like, and I didn't even need this meat. Like what am I doing, you know? So I, ever since then, honestly, I haven't shot a doe, and that was, and that was a long time ago. I just we should. I think it's important to to thin the herd, but it's just. I don't know when I'm out there, I'm out there for like, you know, if, and then I always have this in my mind, like shooting this doe is going to mess up my, like, you know, it's different. Yeah. Like if you got a tag filled and then you're shooting a doe, but if that's the case, I'm somewhere else looking for another buck. So I'm just, I'm so driven into that, you know, getting antlers on the ground that, that, um, I don't really think about the, and I, I eat them. I love, yeah. you know, I love the deer meat, but I just want to rack with it. You yeah. know, I don't, <laughs> you know, fair enough, just, man. Fair enough. So now i guess how long did it take you to learn because i'm 30 i'm gonna turn 38 next month or in, in november and i 10 years on me i know i know i'm old so i uh i just recently have started getting it you know what I mean? Yeah, like walking yeah. into the timber and being, okay. It's clicking, yeah. Yeah, it starts to click a little bit better. And I'm still nowhere near what, let's say, like someone like yourself who can go in and, like, I, I, I think observation is key, identifying, uh, you know, access and all that stuff, and I'm starting to get all on that. But how long did it take you from when you were there to, for it to, to click? Um, I, I think... It definitely took a few years, um, and I think it's just uh, kind of constantly putting myself out there in those situations and hunting deer, and then even a lot of deer that I've hunted that um, I haven't been successful with. Yeah. Like I, I specifically remember hunting this one deer, um, I would probably say maybe five or six years ago, Yeah. Um, and uh, I was just one step behind him for like weeks yeah and weeks and weeks and and uh i never ended up killing that deer i ended up trying to get a little too close to him uh and i ended up blowing the deal mm -hmm. but i would probably say yeah um sorry i don't even know where i'm going with this here i remember i remember blowing the deal and then i remember hearing like after the season like I remember sitting at the kitchen table and I was just thinking and it and it sort I remember thinking in my head like it sort of clicked one day with that specific deer and I'm like fuck I could have killed him right here yeah and I I remember saying that out of my breath and 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 then dad was like oh you finally figured that out and I'm like what do you mean he's like he's like yeah he's like me me and uh, me and Alan were talking about it and we we were debating on whether we should tell you months ago like you you could have sat in this draw he's like he's like but we wanted to see if you'd figure it out. And yeah. I never killed that deer, and I'm like, you fucker, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it, it's stuff like that that I'm grateful for, too, that I, you know, I learned it on my own. But I think at that point in time is when I really started getting more technical with things and, and really trying to, you know, use the sign more to my advantage. And, and, and um, yeah, so I, I would say a few, you know, definitely a few years of just, just hard out there all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So, that, I mean, that with me – that was one of those things where I used to be the guy who November or October 1st hit 
and it was every single day, as much as time in the timber as I could. And then I realized, you know, that just, you know, you're not, you don't need to hunt October 1st. To, I mean, I mean, if, if you found a buck and you got him patterned, yeah, going after him, but there's a lot of, um, how do I put this, uh, time wasted in the timber that you don't need to be there, whether it's like 85 degrees in October and, and some of that stuff. Uh, but it, you know, when you're going in to just hunt and you're, you don't have anything patterned or whatnot. So did you, were you, you know, when you were younger, maybe early twenties, were you going out and just hunting as much as possible or did you, were you starting to pick when you would strike in the timber? No, I, I think, um, uh, you're right. Like at first it was like, I got to be out there all the time. As much yeah. as I can be out there, I got to be out there. I got to put myself in the woods. I got to, um, just because, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's how everybody starts. Yeah. I hear dad talk about that. Like, oh, I, I wouldn't have missed a day ever. I never missed a day, you know? And, and, um, you know, so I, you know, hear that and, um, think of myself like, well, man, if I want to get it done, I got to get out there, you know? Yeah. So I would definitely hunt a lot more and even on those miserable, you know, days, yeah. Um, but it, with that being said, you know, now I pick and choose, I still hunt a lot, but I will definitely, you know, hunt the better, uh, what I think will uh, produce better or, um, give me a better outcome. Uh, like I'm trying to think, um, you know, I think that's a big thing about uh, developing my almost style too. Like a lot of people, you know, dad is big on moon phase, yeah. uh, you know, so moon phase is a great thing, but. I never let it be my only deciding factor if I make yeah. it in the woods. Yeah. I'll change up my strategy like completely due to the moon phase, but a lot of guys are, oh, it's a, it's a shit moon. I'm not even going to go out. Yeah. Like, so I will, but I'll just be in a different spot, you know? Yeah. So I am not a moon phase guy at all. No? Like, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I, th I think it probably has something to do with it, but when I have the time to go out and hunt, I'm not going to let the moon phase oh, determine, you know, that's the thing, you whether know, or not and, it's going to. And and that's the thing about moon phase, I think, you know. I mean, it's, it, I think it's, I 100% think it's on the money, but it's on the money for feeding patterns. Yeah. And there's so many things that reflect, that also affect feeding patterns. Any sort of rut activity. Yeah. You know, any sort of, you know, bucks getting squirrely in late October, trying to show dominance, uh, hitting scrapes. Like, none of that has any recollection on the moon. You yeah. know, that's just one that, you know, deer might be more compelled to feed. So. Right. Um, man, we got a, we got, we got, we got a parade here now. <laughs> That's for sure. We're sitting here, we're sitting here at this, uh, park and people are coming out of the woodwork and, uh, so if, if you start hearing background noise, it's because, well, we're at a state park and there's some <laughs> kind of event going on today that I didn't realize. But anyway, um, yeah. So, so I think there's so many other factors and, yeah. and, you know, so I, I look at it, but do I let that be my only thing? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. So now, I mean, you have a wife, you have kids. Um, it says here in your notes, you've been with your wife, uh, I don't know, 15 years you've yes. been with her. Well, we haven't been married 15 years, but right. yeah, we've been together a long time. A long yeah. time. Yeah. And when it comes to, when it comes to this passion, right? Like I, I recently went on an elk hunt. Uh, I went to Colorado. My wife stayed home with my three kids for eight days, right? Um, I get, 
I take two weeks off of work in uh, November and I go hunt for 16, 17 days. And my wife is at home with my three crazy ass kids. So sacrifice and dedication are two like words here that stick out on these notes. So talk to me a little bit about what you've kind of taken away from the term sacrifice in order to be becoming a successful bow hunter. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely sacrifice. I mean, it comes, it's just like with anything when you're hitting it hard. Uh, you know, I, I guess I've always said it comes down to, or in my opinion, you know, how bad do you want it? I mean, if, if, if you want it bad enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and in any time that I've been in the woods, uh, or a season goes by and I'm sitting at the end of the season when it's all through and I don't have, you know, the caliber deer on my wall that I wanted or, um, you know, I might not have gotten to another state or, or been successful. I just, I blame myself. Yeah. Well, you didn't want it bad enough, man. You yeah. know, if I missed one, well, you should have shot a little more. You yeah. know, if I, uh, you know, messed up on a bedding area, well, you should have spent a little bit more time and figured out where the hell that deer was going to come from yeah. instead of screwing it up and jumping in there. So, uh, but with that being said, man, I, you know, my, uh, my wife's birthday is October 26th and, um, <laughs> it's funny, but. I don't think I've ever been with her on her birthday. Like in, in 15, even when we were dating as kids and yeah. like she knew right off the gate, man, it was like, Hey, this is, this, I need to be in the woods right now. You know, this is, this yeah. is my time. Um, which is, it's pretty funny, but you know, I, <laughs> I'm glad she's so understanding, but it's just one of those things, you know, and, and she gets it, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, but it's hard to pull off. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I want to expand on this a little bit because, that's a pretty bold statement. 15 years, never been with her on her birthday. Um, there's certain times a year where when it's time to go out and get the job done, you get the job done. So does that mean that as a family man, you are doing things the rest of the year to make up for that? So that when sh- that she knows, hey, October 1st hits, I'm going to see my husband less. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I've, I've always fell into that trap of, you know, being gone forever and then you know, having to get like that gift or, 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 or some, something when I, when I come back, but, um, it's, uh, and, and it's not, and that's the thing, you know, it's not like her birthday's on November 14th or something. It's, it's late October, but, yeah. uh, it's just, man, it's a time that I love to be in the woods. And, and I don't think that, um, uh, I don't think I necessarily have to spend, spend a lot, you know, but I, I mean, I like to give, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. I, I feel I feel like I'm uh, going in circles. But um, what was the question? I don't. Even, yeah, I, I, I don't I'm, I'm sort of like. Well, just like for, so for me, I, I had a gr- the girl the girl I was dating before I, I married my wife. I told her I hunted, but I never took the time to explain to her oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be gone every weekend in October and November, and I'm taking two weeks off in November, and that's just kind of how it's going to roll. Now, we got into the rut that one year, and she was like, what the hell? You're, you've been you've been gone every weekend. When do I get my time? I'm like, yeah. well, the hunting season is right now. You've had your time all year. I didn't do a very good job explaining that. So now, when I met my wife, I sat her down, and I had a conversation, and I said, listen, October... November, don't make plans. I'm busy. All right. If you want to do something, do it before or after that. 
And if this is going to be a problem, then maybe we, this relationship shouldn't go any further. And that was a t- that was kind of an awkward conversation to have. But I needed to lay the groundwork out front from her, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. to let her know that listen, this is my passion in life. I don't I don't do bowling league, you know. <laughs> I don't uh, I'm I don't I don't know. I watch sports only when I'm available, but I don't you know I don't. I don't go to football games. I don't, I'm not in any rec leagues. Like hunting yeah, for me it. is that's it. The, that's the deal. Yeah. I, so I, I guess to answer that, um, or to along those same lines, we've just been together so long that, yeah. you know, we were together when I got, right when I got into hunting big. So it was like, and she knows the, the type of competitive person I am and, yeah. and what I'm, what I'm out to do. And, and, um, and I think she's always just been okay with that. Um, but I do feel like I got a really good, I got a really good groundwork now because, yeah. You know, we we were engaged for a long time, right? Yeah. And she was beating me down about a fall wedding for so long, <laughs> and I was like, "Babe, what the hell? You you know we can't get married in the fall." And you know, it, and I and then you know it just it, things would happen. It would be postponed, and it just keep getting postponed. And then I gave her, uh, I gave her that October thirteenth wedding date. So yeah. I think right there, I think that should seal the deal forever. Now, I mean, right. like she. What I sacrificed, but I, I hunted that morning. Yeah. And I hunted the next morning. <laughs> so I literally only missed one evening sit uh, because we got married just, you know, probably about an hour from the farm I was hunting. So, yeah. I mean, I was I was still able to. She's like, are you out of the woods yet? I'm like, almost, you know. And So it was it was, it, it was wild. But, um, you know, to that point, too, I mean, I remember as a kid, like, my old man was never around. Like, yeah. like Christmas, we, we'd all go to, like, Christmas at an aunt's house or something. We'd be like, well, where's Andre? Like, oh, he's hunting. Yeah. You know, like Christmas get togethers or, or, you know, birthdays and stuff like that. So, you know, maybe it's just something that I've seen uh, for so long that it, it, you know, kind of affect the way I, I work too. But yeah. um, Yeah. So it's, it definitely requires some sacrifice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the last question I have about that is as the kids came into the picture, that was harder. Yeah. That That was tough. So, I mean, she already knew right that you were you kind of obsessed with this hunting thing at that this bow hunting thing and that bow hunting uh, I mean do you agree with the term bow hunting is a selfish sport uh yeah I, I would yeah I think so yeah um if you or, do it right yeah exactly yeah. yeah I think anything you're doing for yourself I think is a little I mean yeah it's selfish I guess but it's it's uh um yeah, I guess, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. So but, then as the kids would come into the picture, was there ever a kind of conversation where it was like, Cody, you have kids now? I mean, did that did, did anything like that happen or? No, no. no. But, but what did become hard is, you know, just naturally I wanted to be with the kids more. Oh, yeah. So like that, yeah. that was one thing that I did, uh, that I did deal with. And my kids aren't very old, but like even now it's getting to the point where, you know, they're like, well, Daddy, no, stay here. Like yeah. you know, like why are you go? Why are you leaving? Like don't 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 go hunting. Stay here. So that gets tough. Yeah. Uh, and then being away from them for an extended period of time. But as far as um, as far as the wife goes, though, she's she's always been super awesome about um, yeah. you know knowing that. And like you said, she knows that it's not it's not like that all year. Mm-hmm. There's you know I'm a pretty I'm a pretty straight uh, you know program program type type of dude. You know I like you know I. I work out, I go to work, I come home. Like, I got ways I do things, and, and there's a time of year that I'm going to be freaking wherever. But then, like you said, most of the other time, 
we do a lot of stuff together in summer. You know, yeah. we go uh, up north and fishing fish and stuff. And, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So right. I think it all balances out. And um, so for all those wives at home, you got to get a little bit more understanding. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. You, you, heard it, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the last thing I kind of want to talk uh, about um, on, on this particular podcast is this private versus public. Now, um, I know you guys hunt some uh, private land. Did Was it always private land, or did you cut your teeth on some public ground as well? Uh, me, per se, no. So, I mean, I, I've hunted public ground, and I'm more so hunting public ground now that yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But, like, you know, when Dad came up, it was, you know, it, it was a different time back then, but, you know, it was all public, and he was uh, um, a lot of state ground and stuff like that, but... When I came up, I always had either access to, you know, friends' private pieces, uh, you know, uh, leases that dad would be involved in or, you know, maybe ground that was owned by people I know. So I've bounced around and, and definitely honed my skills in different areas. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you know, even uh, Missouri versus Illinois versus, uh, you know, Wisconsin. Yeah. And I think it all needs to be hunted a little differently. Um, you know, I'll hunt farm country in illinois a little bit different than i'll go about it at the home farm in iowa just i think the deer act a little different and but um but no i never i never really started getting into public too much until i was just like hurting for more places to go and more deer to kill yeah you know and i you know i go into a piece of public uh with the um you know just with the thought in my mind like you know i've i've been doing this stuff longer than these deer have like you know and i haven't been doing it that long but you know, I always, I always got that positive attitude of that, like, you know, I can, I can find them. So, and I've gotten some pretty good deer on public, man. It's just, you know, it's just a way of doing things. So, um, but I do feel like the style that I've originally started with, as far as, you know, being mobile and coming up, you know, listening to that, that style and, and that way of hunting on private almost set me up to be a good public land hunter. Yeah. So just cause I think that's, you know, it's the bread and butter of it, you know, moving around and yeah. So shit plus i've I've hunted leases that were swarmed with 10 12 guys and they're all limited to 300 acres and yeah you know you're trying to bounce around people like that it's almost sometimes it's almost worse oh yeah and that's one thing like i get these messages um on all the all the ground that i have that i hunt is a very small piece is public or it's private i mean iowa is like two percent private ground so I have knock on door permission where I've just, you know, got these relationship with, with these farmers who, I mean, also let other people hunt. So yeah. it's not like I'm on this manicured property. I still, I still set, and then we, we talked about this before we started recording was I still set up my stands in my traditional rut spots, like some big pinch points or downwind of some downwind of some historically good bedding areas. And, but then I never I never use them because I'm bouncing around so much, uh, trying to maybe flank uh, some of these other guys who are yep. uh, that go into their traditional, you know, th- their stands where they're they're hunting the same stand every single day. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think d- that's one. Of, yeah, it's one of your best cards to play is watching them guys. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, 
you know, I want to end this. I want to end this uh, particular podcast with talking about what you feel have been some of your biggest, you know, in the last 10 years, really, um, is your bow hunting career. I mean, for 10 years, that that is your bow hunting career. In that 10 year span, what have what what's been some of the biggest successes that you um, were, you know, like I'll I'll just use this for an example. Was it that's two years ago? You shot, was it two booners in one year or three? Um, it was, uh, now none of those deer net booner cracker, but they right. all grow, they grossed over 170. I actually, I shot, um, I shot a deer that went 185 in Iowa, 174 in Illinois, uh, and then a 160 in Iowa. And I actually missed a 170 inch deer on in public in, in Wisconsin that year too. So okay. that was probably my best year to date, I would say. Okay. So you have... You have a 180 class, a 170 class, and a 160 class all in one year, right? That, like, the biggest names in the quote-unquote hunting industry, right, if we're going to call this the hunting industry, have, like, guys don't do that, right? I mean, just recently, two guys have shot two bucks in one year that have been 200 inches. But before that, it's like not a lot of people can do that doing it the style that yeah, you're doing it i mean everything else is over you know big manicured yeah. food plots on low pressure giant properties whatever so it, yeah. It, yeah that i don't know that's just never been it's never been i don't know and i don't want to down any 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 way of anybody's doing it people are getting it done they're getting it done i've just never enjoyed hunting that way yeah same here same thing with turkey hunting like i just i can't sit in the blind i got to go out and look for the turkeys it's just yeah. so but yeah, so I um, biggest successes. Yeah, I, that would definitely. I, I really like that year. Really taught me a lot, even though I didn't spend a whole lot of time in in one area. But um, I was very aggressive. You know, it's nice too because you know there's there's a lot of guys with with two tags that that might be able to do that quite often on the same farm that they got a lot of deer pattern. Yeah. But to go to different farms, um, you know, I think. What I was more pumped about that year was I started that season in Kansas mm-hmm. on public ground, on walk-on ground in Kansas, and I passed up three deer that were probably around 150 Yeah, because I knew there was a bigger one there. Immediately, as soon as the season opened in Illinois, I went straight to Illinois, um, and then I, uh, you know, three days of scouting and hanging stands, and I connected with that, that deer. Like, I, I figured them out so quick that it was just, that year it was just driving me even more, like, and it was just like, oh, you got this. Where are you going next? You know, yeah. what's the next one on the hit list? Uh, you know, then I hit the home farm, bounced around there a little bit, ended up killing a deer. Uh, then I was like, okay, what's the next date? Where do I go? Immediately went, you know, drove over to Wisconsin, got a tag in Wisconsin, started scouting some public ground. You know, I mean, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And then yeah. I ran out of private ground. So, um, you know, I couldn't get another tag late season in Iowa until uh, after Christmas. So I just think being, you know, having that drive and going forward uh, – is is definitely what helps it um but yeah i mean i that i would say yeah i'm definitely proud of proud did of you that ever, year did you ever have a um a deer in in the last 10 years that beat you oh, one yeah. time and then you grinded your ass off and got him in the end yeah in the last yeah well that and that's what hooked me that first deer did that um but i've had Man, it dude, you want to get you want to play a game, let that deer get your specific scent. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, if that deer is, you know, smart and, you know, I mean, he's a mature deer, I firmly believe when they pick up your scent and then associate your personal scent with danger, Mm -hmm. dude, it's game on then. I mean, you will have the, you'll have a freaking time on your hands getting at that deer. Um, And, I mean, I've always been more so, obviously, I don't want that to happen. I like to to get it done before that. Um, I think, yeah, big successes too. Like you said, being able to pinpoint a specific deer and then outsmart that specific animal um, is definitely one. Another thing I, I take a lot of pride in is, is, is close-quarter situations. You know, I've never killed a deer over 20 yards. Yeah. Uh, that means something to me. I love getting close. Like, yeah. just uh, there's something about, like, killing a deer inside of 10 yards. Like, you outsmart him enough. To, he, he has nothing, no idea nothing's going on, and he comes in, you know, you see him fully in his habitat, and he's gone. Like, you you successfully outsmarted that deer in his own, in his at house. his game, you yeah. know. Uh, and, you know, those close-quarter shots, um, it's just like a, man, it's an, it's an addiction. And, um, yeah, there's just, I don't know, I, I, can, I can speak to every aspect of it, and I yeah. feel like it's all successes. Uh, uh, it's just... You know, like you said, you get it when you care so much about something and, and it uh, consumes so much of your, your life. It's just. Uh, yeah. Well, I had uh, I, I said earlier that uh, that uh, this was going to be one of the last questions, but I looked at my note sheet here and I have more questions for you. So we're going to keep going if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So c- kind of going back to score and score being kind of important to you and kind of how you were how you were raised and, and all that stuff. Maturity is something completely different. Ah, ah the age class. The age <laughs> class, right? So, I mean, right now, and this is this is for me too because last, I've never shot a deer. I shot, I've shot like a, a one, uh, I'd say a mid-140s class eight-pointer. Had a big cage. He's, he's like 21 on, on inside. But I passed like a 150 class three-year-old. Uh, like almost, I think one of them, maybe two of them, uh, last year, uh, because I, I got the opportunity to look at their body. I said, Hey, this, uh, you know, I've never killed a buck in the one fifties, but I passed. That was tough. Yeah. But I passed this because he was only a three-year-old, you know, the goal is to hopefully next year. And I've seen direct results of you passed that one fifty. Now he's a, now he's a one seventy next year. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So, but I've never harvested a one seventy. <laughs> now, you sounds like don't give a shit about age class. No, not one bit. I, I, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't care. I, I always joke around, but like, I don't care if that deer's a year old. If he's got a, if he's got 180, 190 inch rack on his head, he's going down. I mean, yep. I, there's just, I feel there's too much, uh, even on bigger farms that I hunt, you are rolling the dice way too much. Mm-hmm. To, there's so many things that can happen to that deer. Unless you got thousands and thousands of acres that right. you are specifically managing and you're certain that that deer is going to make it. Like, the deer, dad has passed up deer, and not because of their age class, because he wanted them to have a bigger rack. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like a lot of, th- a big thing in the industry is they put like an ethical thing behind it that it has to be old. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like, yeah. um, I think it's more so... You know, now wanting a deer to get older just to have a bigger rack or, or I, I think that's a different story. Like, but if you can manage it, 
if you could manage it and you had the property, you know, then I would see, you know, passing up something that's close to what you want, but that you know could make it. But let me ask you this, Dan, if that deer would have been 165 or 175 and you knew he was a two and a half year old, would you have shot him? Oh, I would have shot him dead. That's what I'm saying. Like, so those people who use that as an, well, I I didn't shoot him because he was only two and a half. Dude, that thing was like 190. What are you thinking? Yeah. Why? What in your head is me? There's so many ways that thing can die. Mm-hmm. Shotgun season's right around the corner. I think it hit by a car. He could get a rack infection next year. He could sprain his fucking ankle, for all I know. And that deer was bigger than anything you have in your wall, and you passed him up because he was only two and a half years old, or only three and a half, or yeah. four and a half. Yeah. What? Where is the logic behind that? So I, I have just personally never, I've never followed that sort of, um, uh, that sort of philosophy. And and the philosophy too that that older dominant deer like the older they get the smarter they get I think that's a bunch of bullshit too I think a lot of times these older deer get so ingrained into their pattern yeah they're smart they've been around for a long time in a in an old dominant buck on public ground might be um, you know definitely more cagey you know getting all that pressure yeah but think about this if he's if he's successful in eluding that pressure for so long he's got a system that works yeah. and if you're competent enough to figure out that system that fucking buck is more killable than any other buck you know yeah. so like i look at it a different way you know i'm i'm uh just uh you know some of these old deer get in a rhythm mm-hmm. and especially if you're on and you know and not even going to the public private thing but um you know uh a three and a half year old deer and personalities too is a big thing too yeah. but but um, that's got nothing to do with age. So yeah, I, I um, yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I just yeah, I've never been an age guy. So, you know, at the at at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you're in your living room, right? <laughs> and you're looking at your wall. What like? Because that's I do that. I find myself doing that a lot. You know, I've killed, I've killed five bucks in let's see 10 years roughly and for five of those years i was chasing one particular buck right so my wall doesn't necessarily reflect the experiences that i've had in the woods but i'm happy with what i have so far but but like i stare at my wall and i i look at i got a i got one that's probably a six-year-old i got uh probably a five-year-old a four-year-old and then the the buck with the one of the biggest racks was uh the buck i shot last year as probably like a 145 class he came in i thought he was much bigger and older than he was i shot him i regretted shooting him but it it, i didn't take it didn't take away from the experience and i i was kind of thinking about this the other day where i'm just like do i what do i want like what do i want do i want to shoot like have this basically artwork on my wall with these big rare racks or do I want to have that buck there who only scored low 140s but he was one of the biggest bucks like he was like a 300 pounder right so I have a lot of these internal questions that I ask myself so like when you look at your wall what do you want to see on your wall um hmm, that's a good question I mean I uh, I'm definitely I mean, I, I want, I think it's just, it's a, it's a natural thing. And like I said, being like, you know, it comes down to me being sort of very 
competitive in a way, but even it may seem off subject, but you know, I, I compete in, in weightlifting and bodybuilding and I do that because I want to be the best at the show. Like yeah. I want to show up and I want to wreck everybody there. Like I, I have that, that passion to win. And I think I just, um, I want, I want to continually, continuously beat, you know, my previous best, mm-hmm. but I want a wall ultimately that is better than my old man's. Yeah. That's what drives me. I mean, it may seem it may seem stupid, but that's. I mean, to be the best, you got to beat the best, and and uh, I think he's the best. Yeah. So, and that's that's crazy, because I like I've never thought of it that way. Where I've never I've never thought of hunting as kind of a competition, and I think that. So let me ask you this question because it's on the tip of my tongue, yeah, and I know yeah. people are going to want to hear it. What you've said today in some of this stuff, like, I don't give a shit about age class. All I want to do is kill bigger, you know, inches matter to me. That kind of goes against public opinion. Like, you know, there's there's some guys that are going to listen to this and go, that son of a bitch, you know, like, I hate his, I hate his guts. What, who does he think he is? You know, so like when it comes to public opinion and like score, some people just don't, especially on this podcast, because I talk about age class a lot and I talk about passing, you know, younger deer in hopes that they, you know, get a better rack on them the next year. But when you boil it down, it seems like everybody is at one some point concerned about the, the, Dude, the size of the rack. I, I 100% think so. I mean, now I don't want to upset anybody from my opinions, but and to each their own. If yeah. you are happy going out there and shooting a you know, it's funny. I just posted a picture actually on my on my Instagram of a buck I call the bull, mm-hmm. and this thing is like eight and a half, nine and a half years old, and he's got probably spikes on him the size of water bottles that are just gnarly, and he's probably three hundred and fifty pounds on the hoof. Yeah, big deer. It, you know, if if that's your trophy, and, and and you're cool with shooting that, and you don't care about the rack, and you're all about an old deer, then you know, to each their own. I yeah. just, I mean, you know, I want the. You want the uh, wall. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm after, um, I want to beat my, uh, personal bets and continue to, um, you know, kind of go move in that direction. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, that's what it is, I guess. Okay. I, <laughs> so let me ask you this question. You and your dad now are standing <laughs> in your, like at the end of the day, what do you want, like your dad to say about your wall like uh i got work to do or like because you say you <laughs> you, yeah, you yeah. want you want a wall that's better than your old man's yep yeah so like what do you, what would you want him to say at the end of the day it's a good question dan it's a good question because um, <laughs> i think like i guess because I, I feel like they're like you don't there's a lot of stuff you don't give a shit about and it's just like and i agree with a lot of what you're saying because it's like at the end of the day you got to do you and yeah, if you're and i'm, I'm if, just trying to be real man yeah, yeah i, I what, what's the point of lying and telling oh well i'd like deer to be this age like, yeah no i i want a big deer <laughs> on my wall that's what i want you i know? love it that's why i started hunting but um, sorry so, yeah, I didn't yeah no, so you. like no you're good but like what do you like do you do you want your are you looking for like your dad's approval uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I think everybody's looking for their old man's approval in, yeah. in, in some way, shape, or form. But um, I don't know, man. I just, I just, like I said, I think it just comes down with with being competitive. And um, you know, if I were to uh, let's say start 
playing intramural softball. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I've never played I've never played softball a day in my life. But if I were to start, dude, I'd wanna I'd, I'd wanna be the top team. Yeah, and I'd wanna be the best guy on that team. That's just that's just my yeah my way of thinking. So, yeah. um, you know, I just it's I think it's it's deep down just me, uh, you know, striving to be better. And you know, I, I guess it, it may sound stupid, but I, I do get a satisfaction of, of knowing I, I did more than the other guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I'm up in the morning at at one thirty or two a.m., you know, driving an hour to a gym, just to get a workout in before I even hit the woods, like, that that drives me, man. That fires me up. I just I, I love going, and I love uh, you know, uh, just kind of, just anything you know and yeah. sometimes it can be a curse too i mean you, sometimes you, you burn yourself out but i just want to be better man i just uh it's it's just a a deep deep thing to be better so yeah. um so as you get older do you find yourself still i mean when i it's kind of funny i say as you get older because you're 27 <laughs> yeah, years old yeah. but has your passion for hunting like kind of stayed the same or has it continued to build and build and build every single year it it's definitely continued to build um every single year i i I just i changed the way i do it um and it's definitely gotten to be a different story now looking for these bigger class deer because you know as you start to hunt these deer you have to deal with the the realization that they're not always there like you can have an awesome farm you can have thousands of acres and you might not have that deer you want to kill there. So I think it becomes more important, which is, this isn't necessarily a, a, a area that I typically um, like too much about it, but you got to find those deer. Yeah. Like, so if, if I know that, you know, this piece doesn't have a deer, you know, I got to go do a different state or I got to check a different farm or, or get permission on a different piece of property or so um, it, it's definitely uh, changed a bit, but it continues to grow just because, you yeah. know, I got my goal. I got my, I got my vision in my head and, and, um, you know, it's, that's what I'm going for, man. Right. It's just... So this year, and this is going to be the last question before we get into the next <laughs> yeah, podcast, yeah. but what are your expectations and, or your goal for 2018 bow hunting season? Um, my goals for this season um, would be to kill deer. I would probably say, you know, diving down into it. So I got, I got a couple different prospect properties. So, mm-hmm. um, I never like to spread myself too thin, but my goal going into every year is to, um, you know, beat my personal best for one and do that as many times as I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, you know, just successful. Something comes out of too, you know, hitting a piece of property and, you know, now I'm not going to go hit a piece of property, and if the biggest deer on that piece of property is 140, I'm not going to kill it because I don't want a 140. Yeah. I, I, I don't want a 140. I'm, I just, you know, it's, I'm past that point. You know, yeah. I, I've, um, and it's just, it, it, you know, it's just me, but um, it, it is nice to, you know, it's a really satisfying thing to hit to a piece of property and, um, you know, kill the biggest deer on it if it's something you're looking for. So uh, I enjoy getting to different areas, but it, the goal is to always just beat my beat my personal best and and try and do it as many times as as i can you know so if that takes me hunting all year for one deer and so be it you know i'm at that point now i'm willing to 
you know, not just fill tags because I want what I want, you know. So if, if that means waiting a little longer or finding different pieces or, you know, hunting a little harder, that's what I'm going to go for. And we're going to get into the details of that on the next podcast. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, this is a two-part series, so stay tuned on Wednesday for the follow-up where Cody and myself talk a lot about whitetail strategy, and uh, we break down how he's been so successful uh, over the years killing gigantic bucks. So... With all that said, huge shout out to Cody for taking time to do this, man. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to all of you for taking time to listen and download. Keep doing what you're doing. If you like what you guys are hearing, please go to iTunes or wherever you download this podcast and leave a review. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. Exodus Trail Cameras, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Deer Lab, Prime Archery, Ripcord Arrow Rests, Ozonics, and of course, Hunter Safety Systems, guys. Um, you know, if you haven't already, you need to check out social media. A lot of crap goes down on the Nine Finger Chronicles social media pages. Not only do I post some kick-ass pictures on the social media page on Instagram, but I have a lot of conversations, you know, like ask some questions, start conversations on this little community that we have on the on the Facebook page as well. So if you're if you're not already following the Nine Finger Chronicles on Facebook and Instagram, please do so. And you if you're gonna follow me there, you might as well follow me on the Sportsman's Nation pages as well. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, Sportsman's Nation. Uh, a lot of content coming out of there as well. And that's about it. I'm gonna keep this outro short. If you're gonna be in a tree, please. Our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us, wear your damn safety harness.